Welcome to the Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCrady and Pinnacle Trust financial guru Martin Palomo, the Mind on My Money podcast tackles the financial questions we're all thinking about. From paying for college to saving for retirement, from life insurance needs to 401ks and everything in between. The goal is to help you take the stress out of financial concerns and give you some tips to enjoy life while your mind is on your money. Now here are your hosts, Neil McCrady and Martin Paloma. Welcome into another edition of Mind on the Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. I'm Neil McCrady, Martin Paloma with me as always today. Today we're going to talk schools, stocks, stimulus, and other things that start with S. We'll also talk about the GDP, <laughs> which does not start with S. But anyway, we'll, we'll, it's going to be an S rated edition of, uh, of this podcast. We'll get to it in a moment. First, let me tell you, I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900 is the number. Call and ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He sends you a quote within 15 minutes of business hours. That's kind of the basics of how it works. Here's how it really works. Just like that, except once you start a relationship with the people at Clark Ford, it's a game changer. Um, they just go the extra mile all the time. Corey wants to be a car guy. He wants to be a truck guy. He'll prove to you what that means when uh, you make that call. You get started on it. 662-257-1900 is that number. 662-257-1900. Um, before we get started, Martin, tell the people out there a little bit about Pinnacle Trust and how they can get in touch with you all. Yeah, indeed. <clears throat> um, I'm going to mix it up a little bit, man. We've uh, Our regular listeners are probably just fast forward through my piece, so I'm going to throw them a curveball and, uh, and mix it up a little bit. Um, one of the things I think I'll do is we, a lot of people don't realize we have like three, four segments of our business that we actually, um, have in one place to take care of folks. And I'm going to highlight one of them today, which is, um, we have a dedicated like corporate retirement plan team. So your 401ks at work, your, um, you know, your employee sponsored employer sponsored savings plans. We have a team that does nothing but, uh, but you know, find opportunities for folks that already have a 401k to save monies for their participants. But then also Chris uh, and his team and Shannon, uh, they've done some really cool things. I didn't even know existed until, you know, this year. And they have some CPAs they work with that, uh, that can really help, especially, um, you know, business owners, uh, especially if they're in the medical field. There's, there's something they can do to stack on top of their 401k plan where they're able to um, stick away a significant amount of pre-tax cash. It's not illegal. It is totally legal. Um, it is just a, a, a piece of the business or a segment of the industry that not many people um, understand or are able to do. And Chris has a team of experts that's able to do that. So if you're listening, you're a business owner or you're a, you're a practitioner in your medical field, um, yes. and you're interested in, <laughs> and you're interested in how can you, uh, put away some more cash and save some tax money and, uh, yes. keep uncle Sam, uh, out of your pockets. Give us a call, uh, 601-957-0323. You can email us at info at com. We'll put you in plan in touch with Chris, see if it makes sense, uh, for your business. You know, it doesn't cost you anything to give, to talk to him. Uh, just talk, cost a little bit of time. Uh, you can also find us active on social media, uh, Facebook. You can uh, follow us. Uh, wait, you can find us on Facebook at Pinnacle Trust or the Mind on My Money podcast. 
Uh, and then also we're active on Instagram. Go uh, follow us and like us on Instagram and Twitter, and uh, we're, we'll, we'll respond back to you quickly. Uh, but if you want to use Old Fashioned Telephone, 601-957-0323. Chris is the man, and he has already done it with several clients, uh, keeping Uncle Sam out of their pockets and stashing away a significant amount of cash that uh, they otherwise would not have been able to do. Okay, so I think this is an appropriate uh, time to timestamp the recording of this podcast. Yep, let's do it. It is uh, Tuesday, August the 4th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. <laughs> it is 10.22 a.m. Central Daylight Time, 11.22 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Um, We're not going to do Mountain and Pacific. It is, uh, is 9.23 a.m. Mountain Time. <laughs> it is 8.23 a.m. Um, Pacific Daylight Time. Wake up, LA! Good morning, West Coast. Good morning, San Francisco. <laughs> um, so, uh, God, I'm. We, we're on our third pot of coffee this morning. Not really. Yeah, I only had two cups, and I normally have three. I only had two. You'd, you'd think I'd be like kind of sleepy right now, but I'm not. Um, all right. So, in about four hours, by the time you hear this, we'll already know the details. Our our, uh, our governor, Tate Reeves. The governor of uh, Mississippi the is expect the governor. He is expected to announce slash release slash whatever some sort of an executive order regarding schools, public schools. Um, I know my kids are. Oxford has a a two day rollout that is scheduled to begin on Monday. My kids, the two that are still in school, uh, Caroline's a senior, Carson's an eighth grader. They are scheduled to begin the school on Tuesday. Uh, half of the half of the, the odd grades, um, so like one, three, five, seven, nine, eleven, they go on Monday, and then K two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve go on Tuesday, and then they all go on Wednesday. Okay. There is also a segment of the Oxford School District that is going virtual. Uh, those kids have committed to nine weeks of virtual school. They have picked up. Already, it's my understanding, the um, iPad that is a necessity for this uh, virtual school. Oxford has spent part of the summer, as I'm sure many school systems have. I promise I'm getting somewhere with this, Martin. I'm, I'm, I'm getting to a place, I promise. You're good, man. Uh, they, they have spent uh, a, a good part of the summer preparing for this. And so those kids have, uh, have iPads. Quite frankly, in Oxford, uh, last spring when school shut down in, in March and they finished online, it was a complete disaster. It was a joke. Uh, the way that they, they were not prepared for it, I'm not criticizing them, they just weren't. Uh, I would think most schools weren't. Kids were able to basically cheat on test. Uh, kids would get together. I know of a group of boys, Not they were a little older than my kid, but they got together uh, about once or twice a week in a parking lot and they would each do each other's homework and turn it in. Um, it was a, it was a total farce. Everyone knew it was a farce. The teachers knew it was a farce. The kids knew it was a farce. The administrators knew it was a farce. It was a total farce. There was no learning involved. You can do that at the end of a year. You can't do that at the beginning of the year to Oxford's credit. They have put some rules in place as it pertains to the virtual students. They're going to have to take their test. I'm told in a physical location so they can't cheat. Yep. And so uh, when that word got out, 
as you might imagine, more and more kids said, no, nah, I think I'll come to school. And so um, anyway, that's the deal in Oxford as of this moment, 1026 a.m. Central Daylight Time. That could change. The governor could could make some changes. He could push the school year back. That's one of the rumors. He could force uh, some schools to go uh, more virtual or all virtual. That is uh, certainly something that people are pushing for. One of the things that he said last night in what I thought was a fairly well thought out uh, Twitter release. I always think Twitter releases are interesting because it assumes that everyone is on Twitter. And I don't think everyone is on Twitter. I am, but dude, I'm just not super active on Twitter. Well, it tells you that the voices on Twitter don't represent the majority, but man, they are vocal. And I realize that I have a vocal voice on Twitter, so I'm, I'm acknowledging that. Um, anyway, he, he's expected to make that that announcement at some point today. That I, I talked to someone who uh, is is always pretty reli- always very reliable, who believes that what is going to happen is that some schools it's going to be a district by district thing because some districts had very detailed back to school plans. And some districts, not surprisingly, did not have detailed back-to-school plans. Sure. It was just, yeah, we're going to go back to school. And, um, of course, the, uh, the the people out there got worked up about that. It is a volatile topic. And so here's my... my hyper-political, uh, my, man. It is hyper-political, and that's where I was going to go with this. I have noticed on Twitter, in personal interactions... Um, I won't, I won't say the person's name because he's a perfectly nice person. I like him quite a bit. Lives in Oxford. I saw him at the grocery store. And so we uh, had a brief conversation. How's your summer? Good. Have you been? Good. Everything went crazy time. Yeah, yeah, crazy time. Um, you know, what are you doing about school? I said, my kids are going back. Can't wait to go back. Campbell's going back to Arkansas. Yep. You know, everybody's going back. Going back. Need to go back. Want to go back. Want the kids to go back. Need to go back. That was my stance. Um, he is uh, the person that I'm referring to. Again, a very nice person. Uh, he, he's a, uh, a very good father, to my knowledge, a very good husband, the whole deal. He seemed almost taken back. And I said, what are you doing? He goes, oh, no, no, we're not, we're not going back. No way. No way. Not safe. I said, okay. Interesting. And... The next time that I saw this person uh, at the store, he ducked his head and avoided me. It it tells me, and, and through these, these interactions that I've had, Martin, this is my theory. Yep. This is not going to be earth-shattering, by the way. This has become straight-down political lines. If you are typically a, a person who leans to the right, who's conservative, and I'm, by the way, before I say this, I'm not saying conservatives are better than liberals or liberals are better than conservatives. Nope, 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 nope. I'm just simply saying I've noticed this, um, Same. this d- d- difference, difference, differential and stuff. Sure. So people who lean to the right are eagerly anticipating sending their kids back to school and are saying, hey, you know, I get it. There might be some problems, but I think in the long run, this is the right way to go. Yep. The people that lean to the left are saying, nope, I don't think it's safe. I don't, I don't think it's safe. I don't think we should open the schools at all. I think we should be virtual. I think we should shut it down. I think we should be really careful. I'm very worried about the teachers. 
I don't notice a lot of middle ground. There's very few people in the middle. And, and so that bothers me a little bit from a, from a a standpoint. I I did a, I did an Oxford Exxon podcast uh, last week. Uh, No, it was the beer garden. It was the Oxford crystal beer garden. Uh, Oxford crystal right next to Oxford Exxon. Highway six (laughs) West and Oxford. Next time you come up. Ben. Um, yeah, about pick five for five fifty five, including the new Nashville hot chick with uh, white meat. Get you anyway, some gut grenades. Yeah, boy, the banana pudding shake, the peach slushy. It's cold out. It's hot out. Cool yourself off. Um, <laughs> Man, uh, I'm gonna go so, knock on his door and I'm gonna be like, dude, if you did not listen to our show and get that plug, like, um, you missed out on one of the greatest. <laughs> you know, off the cuff commercial plugs that I've, I've heard yet today. So, so <laughs> it, it, I had a, I had a, a, a superintendent from Kentucky who's on his, his district is just across the river, basically from Cincinnati. And, and they're, they're going with a kind of a hybrid plan. And he told me that they were going with a full on plan until the president spoke about getting back to school. And that got a lot of, some of the, the people that typically vote Democrat start up in his district and they created a, a lot of, a lot of resistance. And so they, they've gone to a, a different plan for now with the goal of getting to full-time in person as soon as possible. And it just kind of, it, it is, it has struck me. This is not new, but it has struck me over the course of the past couple of weeks as this return to school has become imminent. It has struck me that, um, they're headed that we're, we're, this is, this is a, this is nothing but a political topic. And I don't think this of all things should be a political topic. No, I mean, I agree, man. I, I think that, that school should be, should be totally apolitical. Um, and you know, my kids, I'm just going to talk about my kids specifically. I'm not talking about any, anyone else's kids. Cause I don't know other people's kids were good and like well enough to do this. But so my oldest daughter, is super responsible she is on top of her game she is and i'll just say this publicly she's the most responsible person in my house and she had no problem with the virtual school she didn't like it she actually likes going to school um but she had no problem now my son who is so bella is going into the eighth grade my son christopher he is going to be a junior this year um, and he is more like his father than he probably wants to admit. And, um, we need structure. We need routines. We need, we need those things to kind of keep our day from running down rabbit holes. <clears throat> and so the virtual school for him was not a disaster, but it was pretty close. Um, I mean, he did, he did a, his school actually did a real good job of, they had the zoom they met every day, which kind of kept him structured and they had just abbreviated classes and they met through zoom Bella's school. They just gave them assignments and said, Hey, do your assignment, turn it in by a certain time. If Christopher would have had, and they go to two different schools, obviously, if Christopher would have had the assignments given to him and said, Hey, you need to finish this and get it turned in by, you know, midnight, he would have slept all day long piddled around, played his video games, talked to his buddies, Snapchatted, 
Instagram, do whatever they do. And then at 10 o'clock, he'd have been like, oh, I need to do this schoolwork. And he would have had, you know, three, four hours of schoolwork. That's just, that's how he is. Love him to death. He's just like me. If it wasn't for the last minute, he would get nothing done. And, and then, you know, on the other side of the spectrum, Gia, my youngest, she's, uh, she's turned seven tomorrow. So as we've dated and time stamped it, uh, by the time our listeners hear this, we'll be celebrating her birthday. Um, she's going into the first grade and man, she needs structure. She needs routine. She needs in-person, you know, learning experience. And I just don't, you can't, the virtual schooling for her is just not, you can't do it. You can't do it. You know, she's learning how to read, write, form her letters. So, you know, all politics aside, I'm just looking at what is in the best interest for my kids. And for two of my three kids, what's in their best interest is that they are in a classroom, in person, learning. That is how they're going to succeed and not fall behind. Now, Bella could do the virtual stuff, but she doesn't want it. She wants interaction with her friends. She wants to do, you know, bands. She wants to, you know, spin her flag in the in the halftime shows. And we got an email from her school yesterday saying, hey, we're going to give you the option of virtual. It's an, like you said, it's a nine week commitment, but the deal is, is if you commit and you go virtual, they say very plain, there's no, you know, there no room for interpretation. It says, if you choose the virtual option, you cannot participate in extracurricular activities at school. So if, if you're, if you're unwilling to come to campus for class, then you can't participate in the extra school stuff. I was like, I respect that. But, you know, for Bella, she doesn't want virtual school. She wants real school. Well, I mean, I've been I've been clear to the point of, of it being repetitive with mine. Um, I'm not even going to make mine do virtual if it comes to that. They can do whatever they want. I'm, I'm not I'm not I'm, I'm not going to subject them to that stress. What right. I saw in this, what I saw in the spring was deterioration. From from uh, really all three of mine to the, the, the one who could not get away Carson, cause he can't drive yet. I saw, yes. I saw, I saw more deterioration. The, the older kids, here's the thing too. This is a lot. There's so much here. I've discovered on Twitter. If I have this debate with people at all, even a civil debate, whether it's civil or whether it's heated or whatever, I can simply say to the, to a lot of them, how old are your children? And that's the end of the conversation because they don't have kids. And if you don't have kids, and I, I don't, no disrespect to people who don't have kids, that's, yep. that's, it's fine. Yep. But if you don't have kids, you have really no idea what the hell you're talking about. I mean, you really don't. I mean, it'd be like me trying to talk to someone about, I don't know, what being Chinese is like. I, don't, I have no idea. I, I, I have no clue. I, I can't begin to participate in that conversation. You know, I, if someone says, hey, you don't, you don't know what it's like to be a, a a Pakistani immigrant in the U.S. You're right. I don't. I have no clue. I mean, I can listen, but I have no idea. If you don't have kids, you have no idea about this conversation. You you don't know what it's like. And so, part of what happens with this that really bothers me is this conversation is so sterile. Oh, if the children go back to the schools, uh, they will interact with one another and interact with teachers, and they will spread the virus. Okay. What about when they go to the grocery store? 
What about when they go to work? I have a daughter that goes to work. She works at a clothing store in town. Her shifts are somewhere between five and eight hours. She interacts with people. Yeah. What is what is the difference? Yeah. And kids go. Kids go. To, hold, hold on. Kids yep. go to the grocery store. Kids go hang out at Sonic. People go to the gym. I'm waiting until later this week to go back to the gym because I'm waiting for Campbell to leave to go back to Arkansas. I didn't want to do anything that might where something happened and it was my fault. Yeah. I don't, if, if, you know, I don't want it to be my fault that she can't do rush or whatnot. Yeah. Once she's so, there, it's on her. Yeah. 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 And, and so, but people are going to the kid, young people are going to the gym. We talked about this. They're going to soccer practice, football yeah. practice, basketball practice, baseball games. Um, you know, there's baseball tournaments, there's soccer tournaments, there's all these things that are happening. And I'm like, well, what's the difference? And I don't mean that in a, in a critical way either. I literally mean, what's the difference? And the only thing that I can come up with, because they say, well, it's the interaction with parents. Okay, but these kids that play travel baseball, for example, and that's huge in this part of the country. Yep. Those kids were around parents. They go to parents every night. And those parents are around other parents. Where is all of that spread? And when it has spread, and there have been some cases of it, it hasn't been bad. Nobody, I don't, I don't, I don't really understand. And the only thing that I can come up with is it's political. Unlike travel baseball or, you know, club soccer or kids going to the, to, to go to their, their part-time job on, on in, at a department store. School is a big politicized topic. Kids going back to school is a big politicized topic. The president, who is a very polarizing president, just tweeted Indeed. this morning, open the schools, all caps, three exclamation points. Yep. Which, of course, gets two disparate reactions. Yep. Hell yes, and I can't wait till November. You've got to get out of here. I hate you. Yep. It's those two things. There's nothing, nothing in between. in the middle. Yep. And so, people, in many ways, it's why some of the, and I, I don't know what the politics of Germany are, the politics of New Zealand, the politics of Japan. I, I find it difficult to believe that they're as polarizing as, as our politics are. And so, it, it, it's, I, I see this, this to me has just become a political football. And so, I ask people when they mention this about schools, I'm like, so what do you, do you assume? Do you assume, I'm asking, I'm not, I'm not, this, I, I know it comes across as a smart ass because I'm a smart ass, but I don't mean this in a smart ass way. Do you assume that if you close the schools and make them virtual only, first of all, there's no way to test at that point. You understand that? There's no way to prevent widespread academic fraud. There's no way to enforce it. No way. It can't be done. But more importantly, do you assume that these young people are going to get up in the morning in their homes, sign on to their internet, and from eight until let's call it three, with the exception of a lunch break, they're going to be online and engaged and engaged. And then at the, at three o'clock, they are going to do their homework, uh, have some dinner. I don't know, maybe unwind with a Netflix show or some YouTube and then retire for the evening in their home, getting a good night's sleep to prepare for the next day's academic endeavors. If you believe that, God bless you, man. That's not real. That's not what's happening. Instead, what is happening is they go stir crazy. 
and they can't wait to get the hell out of the house yep. because what they can't wait to do is to go interact with one another. Yeah, and just something different, a change of scenery, a change. Yeah, like, like, they they, they, they want to go see their friends, and yep. so they do go see their friends. The ones that are mobile, the ones that are the, 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 the at the biggest risk of spreading, the older you get, the more viral load you can carry is my understanding. So those are the kids who are out there spreading the virus. If anyone's spreading the virus, it's those kids. And they, they, they're out in the community. You're not shutting those kids down. And if you're telling me that you believe, like let's say in Jackson, where the public schools have gone all virtual, if you're telling me that you believe that those young people are just going to stay in their homes all day, I, I, I don't really know how to have a conversation with you about it. I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't disagree. Uh, and that's what we experienced with, you know, with the kids, Gia to a lesser degree, but with the big kids for sure. I mean, cause they're, you know, they miss their friends. They miss, you know, and we kind of went on wild lockdown, you know, especially, and I think we talked about it on the show, you know, in the very early stages of this, cause I didn't know, you know, and a little bit of fear in there. And I have my mother that's, you know, 72 that lives with us. And so when I locked down, like we locked down and the kids did not leave the house. I mean, they got to go out in the driveway, um, but they didn't leave the house and none of us left the house except for I made the grocery runs. And, um, you know, they are, uh, they are unwilling to do that again, (laughs) you know? Uh, and I think there's a lot of, you know, and we have, and I've been trying to get a guest for us for, the mental health aspect of it. And I think I'm just going to pivot and go to, you know, another person that I, that I know that can come and talk intelligently about the mental health piece. Um, cause that was a big factor is, you know, the mental health aspect of, of keeping them locked down and keeping them, you know, completely isolated from their social networks. Um, you know, is it, 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 it did have an impact. And, um, and I think, you know, both of my older kids have been, much happier and even healthier in the last, you know, three weeks because they have returned to Bella had band camp at school. And it was kind of weird for her. They were all in mask, which was weird to see, you know, a marching band with horns where you put, you know, the mouthpiece to your mouth. And I mean, and they took their, they pulled their mask down when they were playing, but it was good. It was kind of bizarre to, to see, um, you know, and then Christopher, went back to, you know, they're, they're practicing, they're training for their season for football. And, um, man, they're, they're happier and, and healthier than I've seen them since, you know, this time last year when they were doing their normal routines. I mean, it had a big impact, the locking them down did. And I, I'm, I refuse to do that long term. Um, but you know, and I don't know, I don't know what's going to come out from the governor's, the governor's, uh, announcement, you know, is it, Hey, we're, Everyone is delaying till Labor Day. I'm instituting that rule. And, I, th- you know, and you and I kind of briefly talked about that. And I won't steal your thunder. But is I guess the question I want to know is, and I'm probably going to get beat up by some of our medical friends afterwards for saying this, but what's the plan? Is it just, is it, is it just wait and see? And if it is wait and see, you know – then just tell me that, or is there a, yeah. you know, why Labor Day? Why not August yeah. 21st? 
Is it Labor Day just because that's kind of like, oh, that's a holiday. We used to do that. You know, I remember going back to school after Labor Day when I was, you know, a young kid. Um, yeah, I've said this for a while, Martin, just not to, not to interrupt you, but just real quick. No, this, that was going to be your cue to talk anyway about, okay. about your how you when I was a when I was a kid in, in Ruston, Louisiana, our, our public schools, we went to school. We started school usually around we started the week before Labor Day. We would go like a half day, like on that Tuesday or Wednesday and maybe another half day. And then we'd have a couple of full days and then we had a three day weekend. And then when you came back on that Tuesday, day after Labor Day, like you were rolling that that was the first day that you were really in school. Yep. All right, here we go, boys and girls. We're in school now. We're, we're, we're through with the orientation. Everybody's got their seat. We know where you're sitting. Yep. We've gone over the schedule. You, you know, know what lunch time number. lunch is. Yeah, yep. you, know, you know your lunch number. <laughs> we, uh, we know you know what, we, what time recess is. We know what the rules are. We've talked about, you know, we've talked about the rules. So now when we get back on Tuesday, we're going we're gonna to open up our, our books to chapter number one and get started. And that was fun. Because quite frankly, in August, it's usually too damn hot anyway. And uh, so, you know, I, I don't have a problem with if, if the announcement that comes out today, and again, by the time you hear this, you'll already know. Yeah. Yep. If, if, if the announcement that, com that comes out today is that we're pushing the start of school back to uh, Labor Day, and we're going to push the end of school back three weeks, because quite frankly, it ends too soon anyway. Cool. Awesome. I don't have a problem with that. I, 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 no pushback. Now, my, my very first question will be, are, are the kids still going to have football practice and all of those things that we normally do? Or are we pushing that back too? I got questions as it pertains to high school and middle school. I got, I got questions. But if that's the deal, hey, we're pushing elementary school back. We're pushing, you know, your third grader is going to start the Tuesday after Labor Day instead of next Tuesday. Okay. I mean, I do have a question as to why, but okay. My next question, and this is the one that I keep asking and I can't get an answer. What's the end game? What are the numbers? Well, we just have to see the numbers differently, specifically, because hospitalizations have gone down four days in a row. What are we looking for? Give me some benchmarks. Yep. <clears throat> don't, talk to, don't talk to me like I'm an idiot. Give me some numbers. We have to see cases go down to... Or is it percentage positives? What is it? What is it that we have to see? Tell me what it is that we have to see. Because it's been this moving target ever yeah. since March. Since we started. All right. All right. Flatten the curve. Yep. Well, we need everyone to wear a mask. It's my understanding that in Reeves's uh, order today, he is going to put a statewide mask mandate in. Yep. Okay. Which, which I know that that'll irritate the crap out a lot. And... And dude, we wear masks when we're out in our family. And most of that is, I, I, I'm not even going to say it's because I care about you, Neil. It's because I care about my mom. It's, you know, when people are like, oh, you don't care about me. You don't wear your mask. I'm kind of like, the truth of the matter is, is you're right. I, I really don't care about you, but I do care about my mom. And so I wear my mask to, you know, we wear our masks to K. And I know that sounds super, super selfish, um, but you know, I, I do care about my family and I, we wear our mask because of that. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, we've been wearing masks since April here. I don't know. Whatever. I, I don't have a problem with it. I yeah. mean, I've, I've seen some kind of cool, the Cubs are off to a good start. I've seen some cool Cubs mask. Hell, I might even go buy one just for fun. Dude. I had a, I had a subscriber send some, uh, some uh, military issued mask 
So I've got those now. Sweet. I mean, I, I kind of have a little mask collection that's kind of getting started. You know, and I got Bella some too, man, thinking like, all right, because, you know, Bella's real artsy and she's into musicals and she loves Hamilton. And I found these really cool little masks that say, like, talk less, smile more. That's a line from Hamilton. And yeah. so I ordered them for her, like, hey, this will be fun for you to go back to school with. And then I read the dang mask mandate for school for it's got to be blue or gray or white. It can't have anything. I was like, dang. I mean, like the opportunity for, and I get it, like no vulgar stuff or anything like that. But I mean, let the kids, if, if you're going to make them wear a mask, like at least let them have a little bit of fun and express themselves with it. Yeah, I, I agree. But you know, whatever. Anyway, anyway, sorry, rabbit hole. No, 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 it's okay. The mask, your mask is fine. But that's my point. We, we, we keep moving the, we keep moving the goalpost. So my question is very simply, and, and I know people say, you know, well, you don't understand the hospital situation, which is another topic entirely. Yep. I have a lot of questions about how Mississippi's hospital system is so inadequate. Many of the people who have been in power have been in power for a long time. Why have you not done something about it before this? Oh, we always knew a, a, we, we always knew something like this was coming. Well, then why didn't you do something about it? Because you didn't do shit about it. Yeah. If we're going to be real. I mean, the, one of the reasons that the hospital system in Mississippi is so egregiously bad is because the hospital system in Mississippi is so egregiously inadequate. I mean, let's just get real about it. Yeah. That's one of the. So when you when you give me this when you give me this 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 diatribe about oh you know we, it's irresponsible for us to open life up at least accept some blame. Hey, our hospital system sucks because we've allowed it to suck. And if it weren't for Mobile and New Orleans and Memphis, you have no idea how much it would really suck. Because that's what I've heard. Correct me where I'm wrong. I, I can't correct you because I've... Those yeah. of you who are out there listening. So, you know, but but anyway, those are my questions. What? Give me the numbers. Give me the numbers as to what we have to do. Because here's my concern as as just someone who sort of understands human nature a little bit. My concern with if we start virtually is that we will never get away from virtual. We will stay virtual at least through the first semester, possibly through the entire year, because the excuse will be, or the explanation, I should say, the explanation will be, well, it's just going to be too difficult now on short notice to ask the teachers to change course. To get together, it'll take, we'll lose two weeks of, of learning, acclimating to in-class. We've got this going now. Everyone's used to it, so we're going to do this. I mean, I would hope not, but that would be my concern. Before I would ever, as a parent, and I don't have a, I, I have one vote. That's it. Before I would ever agree, if you will, to that philosophy, I would have to be told, here's what we're looking at. These are the benchmarks, and as soon as we get to this place for Three back. straight days or two straight weeks, we go back. We go back that following Monday, and, yep. and that's the deal. Okay, well, now I'm, I'm listening at least. Okay, here's here's benchmarks that we're looking for. But if it's just this ambiguous, well, until, you know, gosh, y'all, until we get better with this virus, that doesn't mean anything to me. That makes me think this is political. And I'd respect that if someone would come out and go, hey, here's the deal. We're not doing anything that makes people feel like we're back to normal until after this election. So we're doing this for at least the first semester. At least you're being honest. I mean, at least now when we have the debate, we can have an honest debate. Yep. It's one of the reasons when people say, you know, do you want to see a debate between these two candidates? Yes. 
And I'll be honest, I want us to see a debate between two candidates so that more people in our country will wake up and go, hey, we can do better than this. Than both we've, got, we've got to figure out a way to do better than this. But yes, these two candidates should absolutely stand on a stage for an hour and a half, at least three times, and tell the American people what it is that they plan to do and let the American people decide whether they believe them or not. Absolutely. I mean, it's anyway, that's anyway, going to be that's, a, a, just a, oh man, that's going to be, that's going to be a circus. That's all. I'll just say that. But it's a circus that we need. It's a circus yeah. that we've always had. It's a circus. Yeah. I'm not saying need. it shouldn't be. Yeah. I'm just saying no, it's yeah, going to be a circus. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's it's amazing. I can, we'll, we'll save that for another day. But, but as it pertains to schools, yeah, we I mean, do need to talk politics at some point too in the elections. But and, and I'm working on a couple of things. Um, it, it's it's I, I do want I I still I really want I want transparency as it pertains to the school plan. Not not am, not ambiguity. I want transparency. Tell me tell me what it is that we're looking at because I got to be honest. I've got to explain this to my kids. Right. My my kids don't have a vote. 17-year-olds don't get to vote. Nope. 13-year-olds don't get to vote. They're hostage to our politicizing of this. And so we owe them an explanation. So, okay, this is what you're looking at, not false hope. Because i got to be honest, if what comes down today is a change in plans, I'm going to be pretty angry that we allowed expectations to be built up for young people only to have it, the rug pulled out from under them several days before they were to get started. My kids want to go back to school. Yeah, you know, normally in, in, in a in a normal deal, kids, you know, you're like, oh, come on, oh God, summer's over. My kids are like, man, I can't wait for this summer to end. It has been the longest summer <laughs> ever, and 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 you know, they they want to go back. They they want to go back. They want to see their teachers. Yep. I was talking to a, a first a, a husband of a first grade teacher yesterday, Martin. And she's concerned, you know, that, that they'll have to be virtual. And she's like, how do you do first grade online? Yeah, dude, exactly. That's what I was. So Gia's going into first grade. That is, that's, ex I totally agree. And, and, and I'm glad the teacher it. said it, man, because I, if Gia, we did one of those little Facebook question thingies with Gia just for fun. And it was all coronavirus questions. And one of the questions was, you know, did you have a good teacher? And she, without hesitation, popped back at us and said, no, she was talking about us. Me specifically, like no, you're not a good teacher. You're dad. I'm a dad. Absolutely. No, and, and I kids, didn't learn and, and elementary education. You know, I don't. Young kids have a connection to to their teachers. Absolutely, dude. I remember it's, my it's first powerful. grade teacher, Miss Maples. Of course you. I mean, and then Miss Clapper was my second grade teacher. Miss Crawford, my third. Those were impressionable years. Of I remember course. them. I don't remember my fourth grade. I had Miss Wilder. I remember everything about the first grade. Me I remember too. the way. I remember. Uh, I was one of two or three kids in my class who knew how to read when I got to the first grade. It's because you have awesome and parents. It, I have great parents. I have very smart parents. My parents are both in English and in education. And so I, I knew I, I knew how to read. I had the flu as, as a kindergartner, and I taught myself how to read because I wanted to read Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And so it was the first book that I read. I read it the week that I had the flu in kindergarten. And so when I got to the first grade, I had I had already had the ability to read. And so Mrs. Wilder, my teacher, was concerned about me being bored. And so it was me and two other kids. I think uh, Kyle Kirkpatrick and Andrew McBride. Isn't that funny? I can't I can't tell you what I did yesterday. Yeah. But I can tell you about the first grade. Yeah. So when it came time for the reading portion of our day, 
we would go to the second grade classroom. And I've subsequently found out that the plan was for us to go to the second grade classroom and stay there the rest of the year. And we were going to move up. But the second grade teacher, Mrs. Terrell, was so freaked out about adding us and worried that we would not be able to keep up socially with the second graders. Um, she balked at that. So we only went there for the reading portion of the day. And then we would go back to Mrs. Wilder's class. So I had, I had Mrs. Wilder, I had Mrs. Terrell basically twice. Uh, and then I had Mrs. Anderson and Ms. Boyd and Ms. Leachman at Hillcrest Elementary. I remember everything about Hillcrest Elementary. Yep. I remember the day that Misty Norman fell and broke her, broke, broke her arm. <laughs> I remember, uh, I remember beating the fifth grade in the fourth grade versus fifth grade, uh, softball game. Nice. Yeah. It was a big deal. We were pumped up about it. And she told us that we were the first, Ms. Boyd told us that we were the first fourth grade class to beat the fifth grade since she had Burt Jones in her fourth grade class and Burt Jones at the time was the quarterback for the Baltimore Colts. And we thought, oh my God, we are stars. It was a big deal, you know? And, and so I remember, uh, you, I remember so much about elementary school. And my point is, it's not about a trip down memory lane, Although it was but it's fine. that, it, it's that way for every kid. Yeah. Yep. Totally agree. And so kids, kids need that. And when you, when you take that away from them, don't pretend that you're not taking something away from them. You right. absolutely are taking something of intrinsic value that cannot be replaced. You are taking that away. And no matter how good of a parent you are, no matter how good of a teacher you are as a parent, you cannot replace that experience. 100%, man. I, I'm, I'm totally in agreement. And I, I don't know that I could have, you know, said that as, as, as definitely as, as, insightful and illustrious as you did, but you're absolutely, you're spot on. You said what I've been, what I just didn't have the words to say, you know, trying to explain why first grade, you know, is so important You're but you're spot on or, you know, those really the K through K through five years are, are super impressionable. Yeah, they, they all are, but yes, those early years, critical, yep. critical that, uh, I mean, I'm saying this as someone who has a, a high school senior who desperately wants her senior year. I think you could do a semester as a high school senior, provided that you allow them some of the extracurricular stuff and it might be okay. I think you do that to young people and I think you do permanent damage. And that's the word I would use is permanent. I hope maybe not. We'll get a, maybe we'll get a, 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 some sort of a person on who can either refute that or debunk it, whatever. Yeah. I, I just, you know, here's we'll move on to stocks in a second because I have a question for you. Yep. This is Mike Stacy. I follow him on Twitter. He was on my podcast that I referenced a little while ago. This is today. He says any decision around the start of school will be made based on data and all recommendations from public health. He's in Kentucky. However, on Twitter, I've wanted to point out the need for mental health, student voice, social emotional health, and equity and access to be added to the discussion. I also feel for older educational staff around the state, they have honest concerns about reentry and their personal health. This is a very complex issue and one that should be debated openly. Kids need to learn, socialize, play, and engage, and this virus isn't stopping them. Sports are happening. Kids are socializing. They are working and interacting with the public in high-risk positions, grocery, etc. Therefore, how do we manage safety? Will schools help or hurt? I don't know for sure, but I know we aren't having the full conversation around reentry. I, I did not say it as articulately as he did. Yep. 
And it's what bothers me is when we have this conversation, we're not having it fully. And then what really bothers me, Martin, when we have this conversation, we are excluding the kids from it. Their voices are not heard. And their voices need to be heard. Yeah, well, the people, and like in the case for Gia, you know, she can't speak for herself. So it's it's my responsibility. I need I need to speak up for. Her. And dude, and I and I honestly, other than our podcasting platform, I haven't. You know, I haven't gone and peacefully protested in front of the governor's office, saying, "Hey, think more than just about the potential for a group that you guys said are not super spreaders." going to school and become all of a sudden reverse course on science and they become super spreaders. And this is dangerous for our entire, you know, society. And, and so we're going to lock the schools down. Yeah. The, the, that's what I should have done. You know, that's my, that's what I should do for my little kindergartner that doesn't have a voice or first grader that doesn't have a voice. Yeah. Uh, I anticipate there being a lot of these conversations over the next few days. All right. So I want to ask you Martin about stocks. Yep. Because every time that I, I look around and I'm in the stock market, uh, I don't I don't watch mine every day. I would lose my mind. Good. But I'm told that stocks are booming, which begs a couple of questions for me. Number one, awesome. Yes. But n- now the questions, why? Yeah. When everything else is so up in the air, everything else is so hotly debated, everything else is so caustic, why is the stock market seemingly just ignoring it and cruising right along? Yeah, so there, there, there is actually an explanation for it that is, um, you know, a lot of people probably wouldn't think that it's the, you know, I guess a lot of people not in our industry, you know, those of us in the industry understand how it all ties together, but like the lay person who, you know, gets up and goes to their job and, you know, goes home and has dinner with their family and they're not trying to understand how all this stuff is tied together are not going to really think about how the two things that work together to make stocks continue to rise. And so like four, and there's, there's a couple, I'm going to preface before I answer the question, you know, different people use different, you know, indices when they're talking about stocks. Some people, you know, will, will refer to the Dow Jones index and that's where they'll say, you know, Oh, the, the Dow is up 200 points, you know, and you usually hear people refer to the Dow in regards to points. It's up 200 points. It's down 300 points. And then the S&P 500, which is actually a lot more representative of the largest U.S. companies, um, you know, in the U.S. Because the Dow is only comprised of 30 stocks. That's it. 30. Three zero. Where the S&P 500 is, you know, 498, um, you know, potentially 499 with with an inclusion of Tesla. Um, so it, it, it has a, a larger, a better representation of what the general overall large U.S. stock market looks like. So the S&P 500 is actually positive for the year. So since January 1st, we're not quite back to the highs that we were um, right before February. But we have, you know, we've, we've crossed the barrier of being positive for the year. Now, the Dow Jones, on the other hand, <clears throat> is still um, negative for the year. It is, you know, don't quote me on it, but I, it was like down right at 6 7% uh, the last time I looked for the year. And so there's been a huge divergence this year between the two. So the S&P 500 and the Dow are not one in the same, even though people use them interchangeably. Um, they're not one in the same. So I'm going to kind of, I'll give you a little bit of explanation behind why, and then I'm going to talk about why is everything 
you know, kind of returning back to, um, you know, a good space. But so you think of if there's only 30 stocks in uh, the Dow, one of those stocks is Boeing, which has just been hammered really ever since, um, you know, the beginning of the 737 MAX stuff. Um, and then you have a couple of other energy stocks in there that have really kind of pulled down. So if you have 10% of your index that has really just been bludgeoned, it's hard to get to keep up with, you know, with the other. It's like it's like a, a racehorse racing the Kentucky Derby with a weighted sled behind them. They'll finish, but they're just not going to they're going to finish way after, you know, all the other racehorses. So I just kind of wanted to throw that out there because I think a lot of people don't really know that that there is a divergence and then why there's a divergence. Um, so most of the S&P 500, the biggest constituents of the S&P 500 are the, the tech names that have just been on fire really for the last couple of years. Um, and so that's another reason why the S&P is ahead of, you know, of, of the Dow. But really what has fueled this market, you know, uh, recovery and then continuation of, of, uh, of, of positive returns has been, uh, really two things that you can boil it down to. <clears throat> so the federal reserve, um, they don't quote unquote have a mandate to influence markets, but a lot of what they do does influence markets. So in a period of time when, um, the fed has been very accommodative to us stocks, which, you know, that generally happens when interest rates are low, um, stocks are going to outperform. And there's a couple of reasons why. And we're just going to think about it from a real simplistic standpoint. So if you have $1,000, Neil, and you go to the bank, right? And you say, hey, bank, here's my thousand bucks. Um, I'm going to, I want a CD or a money market account. I don't care which one. What's, what's the rate of return I'm going to get, you know, in that CD or money market? And they're going to say, I'm going to give you 025 or 0.5%, so a half of a percent, right? And you go, okay, thank you. But if you go and look at like the S&P 500 and you say, hey, if I invest my $1,000 in the S&P 500, you you get income from that every year, even if the stocks are negative for the year and they go down. And th- and right now that dividend yield is, is right around 2%. So, um, you know, one of the things that if someone is saying, Hey, do I get a half a percent or do I get, um, you know, 2%, that's a, it's kind of a no brainer, right? Oh yeah, for sure. So, you know, it makes sense that someone would put their money in the S and put it in the stocks and get a lot more, you know, four times the income as they're going to get at the bank plus have the ability to, um, you know, to grow their money long-term. So as people pile into the markets, it's just simple supply and demand, you know, that it's going to push the prices of stocks up as more people are piling into the markets. And, and also if you look at like cash levels right now, they're ridiculous. The amount of cash that is in CDs and checking accounts and savings accounts is absolutely ridiculous. It's the highest it's been in, in years. So at some point that cash is also going to have to come off of the sidelines and it's either going to go to bonds, which the 10 year treasury bond, which is considered the safe haven, you know, in the U S is paying right at 0.6% or you're going to put it in stocks and you can earn a 2% dividend plus the potential for growth. Again, man, it's just, it's a no brainer. And where do you think that cash is going to go? 
I don't know. You tell me. Some, it's, I mean, it's going to go to stocks. It's going to go to stocks. I mean, maybe not all of it, but a large majority of it's going to go to stocks. So it's going to keep pushing the price up. So the biggest kind of uh, headwind that we have really going forward is looking at what happens in the election. Then we can break that. We can spend a whole, and we probably will spend episodes on it. But, um, you know, if if the incumbent wins, it's probably going to be more of the same of what's been happening in stock markets. You're probably going to have markets continue to grow. If the incumbent loses, tax policy is going to change. That's going to have a big impact in markets. Going to have a big impact in, um, you know, in in personal savings rates, and that, you know, will have an, that will likely have a negative impact in in stocks. Doesn't mean it'll be like that long term, um, but in the short term, it certainly would. So, you know, that's kind of the easy explanation of why are stocks on a run. The Fed is in a position to allow it to continue to happen. If the Fed starts tightening up and interest rates go up. People will find, you know, bonds more attractive and they'll say, hey, I don't have to take as much risk and I can earn 5% in a guaranteed government bond. Yeah, I'm going to take that. And then you'll see a rotation of money coming out of stocks and going into bonds. And that's the stuff we look at and, you know, and we're managing for our clients is, you know, when is it? And like one of the other things is um, there are tax-free bonds. School districts generally uh, is what most people are familiar with. You know, school bonds are the bond issues from school. if an incumbent, if the incumbent loses and, you know, uh, and Biden goes in, you're going to see those tax-free bonds take off in return. And the reason being is because you don't pay federal income taxes on those bonds and they know their tax rates are going to go up. So people are going to just pile, pile into tax-free bonds. All right. Staying with our S theme. We talked about schools. Yep. We've talked about stocks. Now we'll talk about stimulus. I am reading from uh, CNET.com. I have no idea whether they are biased, not biased, great, crappy. No idea. Yep. Lead paragraph. Democratic negotiators have a handful of days to broker a deal with the White House on the next stimulus package if they are to finish the bill before the Senate breaks for its August recess this Friday. While both sides appear to agree on a second stimulus check for up to $1,200 for those who meet the eligibility requirements. The two sides remain far apart on other pieces yep. of the proposal. Uh, while a new stimulus check would provide a useful one-time payment to help cover the essentials, other parts of the bill could offer a range of financial help that could stretch into the new year. For example, the enhanced unemployment benefits, which now have lapsed, yep are one sticking point in negotiations. The Republican author Heals Act calls for a $400 reduction to the $600 weekly benefit, but Democratic leaders consider the proposal of $200 a week for those enhanced benefits to be an unacceptable amount that won't sufficiently help keep people afloat during the recession. Man, there is a lot yeah. here. Boy. Let's, let's talk I, about that for just a second, too. Yeah. Um, this, is, this is one of the things that has not gotten covered by the media. Yep. And it's huge. A lot of people in the service industry have had a hard time bringing their employees back. Yeah. And it's not because their employees are worried about COVID. No. It's because they're making double the money. The employees made more money unemployed than they made employed. Yep. And see, from the beginning, and, and and I'm not, this is not me being political by any stretch of the imagination. This is me looking at the economy. In, from the beginning, and I know that they were trying to, they were shooting cash out of those t-shirt cannons, just trying to do everything they could. And they got, and they did the first one with speed. I think this time they have an opportunity to kind of actually look and go, well, 
what's actually appropriate. Um, and man, so one of the things I've read with the Republicans is they do want to reduce it to just an additional $200 a week through September and then 70% of your wages, um, after that. So if you made a thousand dollars gross, you know, a month and you know, the, and it's beyond September, they would say, we're going to give you $700 total. So 70% of your wages for me, that's, that's reasonable, right? That's because after you pay taxes and all that stuff, you, you know, your take home pay is generally, you know, 15, 20% less. So, you know, you're still having incentive to go back to work because you're still making a little less money than you were working. But if you really are one of those people that, you know, you lost your job and you have been trying, 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 and you just cannot find work, you know, that's enough for you to not have to file bankruptcy, but you're actively trying to find that full paycheck, right? Whereas the Democrats plan, they just want to continue the $600 extra a week, you know, through the beginning of next year. And um, I think if that happens, you're going to see the same struggles with people trying to bring staff on saying, you know, I can't get them off of the couch to come into the, to work because they're making double what they were making by, by staying home. You got it. You have to give people an incentive to go back to work or they won't. Why would you? I mean, if you're a, other than you say, Hey, it's the right thing to do. If you are a normal human and say, I can make $2,000 a month going to work, or I can make $4,000 a month by sitting at home, which do you do? Oh, I, I mean, I know people that are making, I know several people that are making more now than they were making when they were employed. Yeah. I mean, and what's the incentive to go back? There is none. Right. And that's, that's the only thing that I was concerned about on the front end, but I was like, I'll overlook it just because they were trying to get speed right with this thing. Because, you know, there was a huge drop off in, you know, we had, we did experience a insane shock to, you know, uh, jobs and, and, and unemployment and, you know, and even how our economy operated for, for eight weeks. And so I get it. They're trying to do with speed. Now it's, they've had time. The thing that kind of pisses me off about politics is they knew this was coming. Why the hell did they wait until everything expired to kind of start getting together to, to put this, to, to debate what's right? Why weren't they doing this in May or June? You know, why did we wait till, unemployment expired and now you've got people that were you know that are making 250 bucks a month in mississippi now if you're unemployed uh, i don't know man well and, but well a lot of it is because they didn't want to explain this to people it, it was political everything's political they didn't they everything's hyper politicized they did not want to explain to people hey understand this is a one-time check this is a one-time stimulus check this is this is this benefit that you're getting right now, this is not going to last. When your job is offered back to you, you need to go back to your job. Yeah. We didn't explain that. No. Nope. And the reason is because they didn't want people to go back to their jobs, Martin. Yeah, it helps. Yep, I get it from a political standpoint. That's why. I mean, the Democrats did not want people to go back to their jobs. The Republicans did. And then that's when we took the COVID thing and we made it politicized. Yep. The Democrats said, oh, you mean Republicans, you want everyone to die from COVID. And the Republicans said, no, you, you're, you're wanting to continue the stimulus stuff until November. You're wanting to punt until November. And I'm telling you, I don't know which side to believe. I, I don't know. But they're, they're, they both, it's, 
it's back to the school thing. It's okay. What's the magic of September? Because I got to be honest, I'm a little reluctant when anyone says just wait two weeks. Yeah. Cause I heard that a lot back then. Yeah, we did. We did. Just wait you know, two and, weeks and, and even, then just wait a month and then, Hey, okay, we're going to extend this for another month. So that's my concern with like all of it is, okay, well, we're going to wait till Labor Day. All right. Now we're going to wait till October 1st and now we're going to wait till November 1st. Yep. What? You know, and, even in this new this new coronavirus relief bills that they're coming up with, the size of the Republican bill is about a trillion, and the size of the Democratic suggestion is about three point four trillion. And if you kind of dig down, and there's not a whole lot, I don't there's I need to read more about what each of them means. But like they've got an area they have states and cities. The Republicans are allocating zero dollars to states and cities, and the Democrat plan allocates a trillion. Now, is that to repair? you know, cities that, um, you know, were damaged with protesting. Was it to repair cities that were damaged because of shutdowns? I have no idea. Uh, and then for schools, since we're talking about schools, the Republican plan allocates like 105 billion to schools. The democratic plan allocates 430 billion. So four times the amount. And I'm just wondering for what are we, if, if there's no school, what are we allocating money to schools for? I, and I'm sure there's an answer. I just don't know it. And then there's this section I don't even know. I just saw this, and I'm looking at Forbes. Uh, Republican plan allocates zero dollars to elections, and the Democratic plan allocates three point six billion to elections. And there's not a whole lot of explanation on what the three hundred six billion dollars to elections is. And I'm just wondering, what in the hell do we need to? allocate $3.6 billion to elections other than if other than if this is for to have a mail-in vote for um, for November why would you need to allocate $3.6 billion to for elections well it's one of the reasons where I think some of the and again I'm, I'm going down the political rabbit hole here is one of the reasons that the some of the Democrats don't want to open schools is really because if we open schools, it's probably safe to open the ballot place. If we open schools, it's it, it's safe for kids to go to the schools. A lot of times schools are ballot places. It's safe for people to go vote. Yeah. If we say, hey, it's not safe for schools, it lets us continue the it's not safe for people to line up to go vote. Yeah, I guess you're right. I didn't. I didn't think about all of that. And that's and, well. This is where I'm. I get a lot of people get angry at me. I mean, you know, a lot of people give me the whole, including people close to me who are like, "Hey, just keep making money talking about sports, man. Just talk about sports." What? What? what sports? You know. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, they, they, what they mean is, you know, just just break down the roster. Just do it over and over and over. Just do it over and over. Break down. Hey, who would be the best teams for Ole Miss to play this fall? Yep. If Ole Miss played Georgia, what would the line be? If Ole Miss played Florida, what would the line be? Okay, now do it with Tennessee. And I think that's disingenuous right now with what all the things that are going on. Yeah. To me, to, to me, those are those are questions. And maybe people can tell me no, those are not connected and, and can explain it to me in a way where I'll go, oh, okay, I get it. But I do wonder. And if that's what we're doing, then what we have to admit is that we're taking our children and we're making them political pawns. They're pawns, yeah. And, and, and that, that's my... Is it, is that the concern? Is the concern, hey, once you start to open up, 
you're afraid that people will, is it, you're afraid people will, will lighten their, they'll get away from some of the stringent sanitation stuff and, and the virus will spread? Or is it once people open up, people start feeling better about things, people start getting happier again, there's not as much hang up on all the other stuff and we get back to some semblance of normalcy? Or is it if we open up, we no longer have the the play in our in our playbook that we're waiting to play, which is it's not safe to go to the ballot box. Everything's going to be mail-in only, at which point a lot of us, I mean, no matter what, if I tell you today, Martin, that the election goes mail-in only, no matter what I tell you the result of it is, do you trust it? And I saw there was a really good. I saw a real good one one liner statement. Uh, and of course, you know, Facebook is not good for news. But it, I did laugh because it made sense. It says, "You have the water. You have the winning lottery ticket in your hand. Do you walk in and turn it in yourself, or do you mail it in? Which do you do? Oh, I I, I take it myself. Hell yeah, very you do. Care- very carefully. Yeah, well, my, but first you've gone to attorney's office and you have blind trust drafted and all that fun stuff. But yeah, no, in all seriousness, yeah, you walk that in. You walk that in to make sure that that, you, that they see that you have the winning lottery ticket. You don't put it in the mail because I don't know about the mail in Oxford, but in Jackson, man, a lot of times my mail doesn't make it to me. It makes it to my neighbor. It, you know, we, we, had, a, we had a baby shower for one of our staff members last week. And this was, I think it was, I'm not going to say FedEx because I, I don't know who it was. It was one of the couriers. They marked the box delivered. It was not delivered. They, I, We have no idea where it went. We called the company that, you know, the Pinnacle had bought her a gift. We called the company and said, hey, this thing's marked delivered, but it, we didn't get it. And they just went ahead and sent another one. They were like, hey, we'll figure out where it is. But yeah, just things like those are simple. I mean, it's a, that was a baby shower gift. Yeah, I don't. No, I mean, I if, I you, if I tell you, if I tell you. I don't if trust I tell them to you get that, counted, man. If I tell you it's a mail-in ballot across the country, no matter what I tell you is the result, if I'm the election guides and I come down and go, hey, Martin, Joe Biden won 52% of the vote. He's the new president. You're like, I don't trust it. Any more than if I told you, hey, Martin, Donald Trump got reelected 51% of the vote, won the electoral college. He's the president. Again, you're you're gonna say, I, "How did that happen?" Yeah, I don't trust. It. So, speaking of that, real quick, and I know we're bumping on time. And so we are, but here's here's the last part of that. Remind me to come back on statistics before we wrap okay. up. Okay. So, if the American public can't trust the results of the can't trust the election, you start getting, you start really Unrest. putting a dent. You yeah. start really putting a dent into your democracy. Yep, our republic. What what makes what makes our republic great to this point is that we've had contentious elections and this is not the first contentious election. Right. If you think this is the first contentious election, I have a podcast I suggest that you listen to. <laughs> Wicked Games. It's called Amer- American Election Wicked Games. Yep. They just did 1964. They dropped it today. 1960, Kennedy Nixon was incredibly well done. And, um, took you inside a lot of the suspicions of, of what happened in 1960. I I won't spoil it. Listen to it. But what's always happened in our country to this point is we've had a peaceful transition of power. Yep. 
It's a constitutional. It's done on January the 20th at noon Eastern. The new president. And every single time it's a new president. Trump's term ends at noon Eastern on January the 20th. His term ends. He doesn't continue. He starts, if if he were to get reelected, he literally gets sworn in again and is the new pre- and is the new president. It's a new term. The first term ends. Their term is four years. And if Biden gets elected, he, he gets sworn in at noon on January the 20th. That's, and we've always had that. And if you get to a place where people don't trust the elections themselves, it gets the odds of things staying peaceful go down. Yeah, I totally agree. So you were going to finish up on statistics, which is appropriate because yep. we started with schools, we went to stocks, we went to stimulus, and now we're going to finish with statistics. Yep. And this comes from, this is from a market perspective. So some people that are a lot smarter than I am and have a lot bigger research budget than we have. Um, and we, we keep in contact with them and they had a, they had their, um, economic call they have regular economic calls monthly um and this month it was last it was last week and it, it's it's normally a 35 40 minute call this one was two hours it was phenomenal but so they he actually they they made a forecast for a percentage of what they think is realistic to happen and they gave so they gave a biden and democrat sweep a 40 percent chance they gave a trump Republican sweep a 40% chance but they gave a Biden White House and a Republican to both chambers Republican a 20% chance of happening and if that happens that's just gridlock that means nothing is happening right I don't see how the Republicans win both both houses of Congress I don't see that I don't I don't know man I don't I don't think that happens I, I just I'd be stunned now there's a lot there's a lot can happen between now and November the is it November the third, November the fourth. There's a lot the can happen, a lot can happen between now and November the third. Yeah, and that was, I they had not come out and and made any forecasts, and uh, that was their forecast. And I was like, wow, uh, I was not expecting that at all. Uh, so we'll we'll see who ends up being right. Um, but I think you know this is we're going to be a bumpy road all the way into November, and I'm sure we'll talk about it a ton here. Because it does, it, it's like the wet part of the ocean. It it impacts personal finance. We absolutely will. All right. Thanks so much for everybody for listening to our uh, S-rated version of uh, Mind of My Money. S-quadrupled. S, uh, because we had we had schools, stocks, stimulus, and stats. Oh, nice. There you go. Yeah, the four the four S version oh, of the show. The four-headed horseman. Don't, don't forget, uh, Pintrust.com, P-I-N-N-Trust.com. Go there and uh, get in touch with the people at Pinnacle Trust. And if you uh, become a new client, you'll get 10% off your first year's fees just by telling them that you heard about it on this podcast, on the Oxford Exxon podcast, on any of the MPW digital network of podcasts that Pinnacle Trust advertises on, which is basically all but a couple of them. So anyway, uh, all of that is, uh, is there for you. Hope you enjoyed it. For Martin Palomo, I'm Neil McCready. We'll talk to you next week. Take care.